Good morning, church family. And uh, hello in whatever time zone you're in around the world. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, You know, uh, just before I get into the message today, which uh, is is continuing our series, Good News. And I'm going to be speaking today about the good news of our eternal home with Jesus, who is eternal life himself. But I'm going to be talking about our eternal home of heaven. Shikabanga. And I'm so excited. I've been so excited all week. Just thinking about heaven. It's just got me excited. I'm, I'm like, I'm supercharged this morning. You know, I had, a, had the joy of owning a Dodge Challenger Hellcat. And uh, it has a 6.2 liter V8 engine. And uh, it's a monstrous engine. But the supercharger on top of the engine turns it into an absolute beast of a machine. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what heaven is for... <laughs> Heaven is not compared to the supercharger on the top of a Hellcat engine. Okay, let's just get that straight. But the thought of heaven supercharges our lives. Supercharges our lives. And uh, I want to just, just address something because the Holy Spirit, I felt, asked me to do this. And I was just getting ready to uh, step into the pre-service prayer. I was about to get out of my truck And uh, for all of you poor folks who have to drive along in a Ram or a Ford, I I feel sorry for you, but I stepped out of my Duramax, and maybe that's why the Lord just gave me some revelation, I don't know, but mm. hey, I'm in a playful mood today, everybody. I'm just joking. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he spoke with a knowing in my Noah, if you get what I mean, as opposed to words. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot in this whole COVID period with the lockdown and, you know, the, the, the reality that we were not able, we were asked, well, actually, we were, we were given a, a, uh, an instruction, a law was, was given out uh, by the uh, mayor of Durham, of which we're part of the city of Durham right here. Uh, way back in March that we were not allowed to meet uh, for that season. Thank goodness the uh, situation is changing rapidly, which we're glad for. But at that time, it meant that for the first time in 12 years, we missed gathering together on a Sunday morning in a physical room that we were all sharing that space with. And uh, as a church. And it, it It's led to, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me at that time, this is a game changer, Duncan. And my immediate thought was, okay, Lord, what, I better change my game. We better change our game. And I'm so actually so glad for this time because uh, we've been able to discover that through technology, God is able to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ way beyond the four walls of the churches all over the world. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is, expre- is exploding around the world right now. 
which of course is all part of God's end time plan to gather in the greatest harvest because the population of humanity has never been bigger and God loves big populations. We're all there going, oh my gosh, the population's growing. And God's like, come on, the population's growing. Because he loves every single one of us. We're all created in his image. And we're created for him, for eternity. And God loves people. God loves everyone. And uh, as I was thinking recently, I've been saying, but Lord, you know, right now, are we supposed to continue Is Is this the idea that you don't want us gathering? You want us all sort of worshiping you in homes? Or or is there a purpose in us all gathering? And I'm I'm, I'm glad to see that there's a lot of all y'all right here in this auditorium. By the way, this is not the sanctuary. You are the sanctuary. I really would encourage you, don't refer to this room as the sanctuary. It will help you. You are the sanctuary, and we as a people are the sanctuary of God. We are the dwelling place of God, and we're not alone, thank God. We're just a tiny, you know, on the eternal scale, a tiny microscopic cell or cluster of cells, so to speak, that are the body of Christ right now on the earth. And his body is filling, is getting fuller and fuller and fuller because he's coming back for a voluptuous fat bride. And so I was saying to him, Lord, you know, are we supposed to gather and meet? Is that what you want? Because there's a lot of people right now teaching all kinds of stuff around the world, especially right here in the United States and other Western nations that, oh no, God's deconstructing the church. What? Show me in the Bible where God's deconstructing his church. He's doing the opposite. I can lead you through passage after passage after passage of Scripture where Jesus is building His church. And it's beautiful. He sees it without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Which is a miracle. It means He can still see me in the midst of it all. Because I'm about the most blemished, the most wrinkly, and the most spotted. Hmm. People are like, well, I'm upset and I'm done with church. Well, if you focus on the imperfections, you will be. But just remind yourself that the church was perfect till you joined it. And the Bible's very clear, we're not to stop gathering together. So if you're watching online, I double dare you to invite somebody, a family next door, or five families next door, or however much you have faith for, to join you watching online, but join with somebody. Because we're called to gather. Why? Because we're not called to gather for ourselves. See, it's all for Jesus, everybody. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. Well, let me say it like this. I'm not here for me alone. I'm here for you. But I'm not here for you alone either. I'm most especially here for the one who says, I'm enthroned on the praises of my people. 
And it's quite clear. Right there you can see it in Revelation. That he gathers every tribe, tongue, and people, and all of them are before the throne of God worshiping him. If you don't like meeting with the church, you're not going to like heaven. And you will not be able to have the convenience of an armchair watching it. You see, gathering together, whether it's gathering together in our homes, gathering together in our workplaces, gathering together in an auditorium like this, it's sacrificial. <laughs> I have friends that are sitting right here, and when I go to their workplace, I walk into the church. They, they own their shop. I walk into their shop, and I feel like I walk into church. Bill and Amy right here, my dear friends, who God graciously led me to, and is just doing an extraordinary work in their lives, through their lives, with all of their staff, which are some of the most amazing, awesome mechanics, take care of my truck, lifted my truck, put crazy wheels on my truck. Why? Because I like it. And my daddy delights in it. But you know, you walk into their shop, shout out to them, Super Trucks Plus in Garner. You walk into their, into their shop and let me tell you, you feel the presence of God right there. Why? Because it's the church. But it's not the only church. That's why they're, they're here every Sunday. They haven't missed a Sunday since we met. Quite literally. Watching online in COVID. Why? Because this is the church. That's the church. This is the church. And the church is in the heavens. So don't let anybody tell you God's deconstructing the church. Because you know what? The Lord loves Catholics. The Lord loves Protestants. The Lord loves Methodists. The Lord loves Presbyterians. The Lord loves Baptists. The Lord even loves Charismatics. Like me. He loves us all. He loves Lutherans. He loves all of the church. And somebody's people are like, oh, but you know, uh, why isn't there just one church? Well, because God's not into blobs. And so some church, they're, they're like the legs. To me, I think of the Catholics, the Protestants, they're like legs. I'm not confining it to that. I'm just using God speaks to me in pictures. But the church is just like anybody, multifaceted, diverse. It's unity comes from celebrated diversity, not conformity, everybody. Okay? The Charismatics don't have everything. The Catholics don't have everything. The Lutherans don't have everything. All of us, Orthodox Christians, I'm talking about Christians who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm not talking about all false religions here. I'm talking about Bible-believing, born-again-believing followers of Jesus who are sons and daughters of the living God don't you dare judge them for the expression that the Holy Spirit asks them to walk in. 
But walk in the expression you've been given the joyful privilege and invitation to walk in and walk in it with honour, walk in it with love, walk in it with passion. Be on fire. This is catch the fire. And if you're not on fire, somehow within a few weeks of being part of this church, we're doing the wrong thing. So please don't come in and say, oh, it's too fiery. Don't come in and say, oh, there's weird things that go on in there. People falling over, people shaking, people laughing, people dancing. Listen, if that's the kind of church you want and it makes you feel comfortable, go find one. There's lots of them. But this, oh my goodness, this I'm going to stand. Kate and I are going to stand before the throne of God one day and be answerable for this. And if he asks us, what did you do with that glorious freedom that I gave you when I planted Catch the Fire Raleigh through you? What did you do with that anointing and that fire and that love and the presence and everything that I gave you? What did you do with it? Oh, sorry, Lord. I quenched it left, right and center because I was worried about what people would think about me. That will not be my answer. May God give me grace that that may never be my answer. And may God give me grace that I'm on fire when I'm 80 years old. Man, I got to get to preaching in a minute. Get, get to my proper message. And I was just asking the Lord, so Lord, why do we gather? And I knew for him, number one. And then number two, I thought about Psalm 150, which a dear friend of mine and ours as a family, Mark Dupont, sent out in an email just the other day. He said, Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. That's the beautiful thing when we gather together. We go from this sanct, sanct, this auditorium and as we begin to praise him and he becomes enthroned on the praises of his people, not his person. God is not enthroned on the praises of a person alone. God is enthroned on the praises of his people when we gather and so when we're gathering and we're praising in this auditorium like we were this morning, I mean, goodness gracious, Chris, you and Summer are just doing such an outstanding job as the worship directors and pastors of this church. The worship's just going up, 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 up. And we're all going, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm getting so giddy, I'm finally getting childlike again. Because Jesus said, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become like a child. And you know what? When praise gets going and the Lion of Judah starts roaring through people like Jane, oh my goodness gracious me, as adults we might be looking going, oh, but the children are, yeah. And, and when we're in that place and we begin to praise and he's inhabited on the praises of his people, he's enthroned, I mean, on the, on the praises of his people. In that moment, suddenly, we are literally transported, translated, trans, trans uh, metamorphosized into the reality the experiential reality, not the theological reality alone, but the experiential reality of being seated 
with Christ in the heavenly places. And suddenly if we begin to tune, we can start to hear the sound of 10,000 times 10,000 of angels praising with us. That we're actually not the ones praising. We're the ones joining in with the eternal song. And then he says, yes, because he's worthy. Thank you, Kate. He's worthy of us meeting together. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of me getting out of breath when I'm dancing. He's worthy of me losing my balance and almost toppling over and reminding myself I need to do some more leg lifts. He's worthy. He's worthy of being out of breath. When was the last time you were out of breath in and as part of church you were out of breath because you were just so, so in love with Jesus, your whole body needed to express it, and you just went nuts. Have you ever had that feeling where you've been in worship, and all of a sudden, you're just so in love with Jesus, all you want to do is just run around the church? Hands up if you've, hands up if you've ever had that feeling. Hands up. Oh my gosh, there's just so few of you. Father, I ask you, <laughs> just a joke. No, there was quite a few, maybe a quarter. Well, I, I get those feelings sometimes. Well, I, I just gotta, I just gotta express it. And you know why I'm doing it right now? To give you permission to do it. Now, having said that, if that's not your personality, and you get filled with joy and your expression of joy is to stand there and thank God quietly in the, for his grace and his goodness, you have my permission to do that. You do not have to be expressive like Duncan Smith. Now think about my pastors, John and Carol Arnott. You've got John, both of them have led a global revival. Millions of people came to our church in Toronto throughout the 2000s and throughout the 90s from 94 onwards. Three to four million people visited our church. Nightly meetings every single night, a thousand people a night, night after night after night, year after year after year, including Kate and I. Carol, when the Holy Spirit comes, she's like a noodle. Literally, like a noodle. I mean, you know what I, that, that looked a bit weird, but uh, she'll fall over. She'll, she's gone with a small, tiny puff of wind of the Holy Spirit. She's so sensitive to him. John realized he would start saying, Lord, why, you know, I don't feel you like that. And he'd start getting upset that he's just standing there, you know, like, like the last stand. And there's, there's everybody else laid out. And there's John left standing. Ever been in a meeting like that? You're the only one left standing. Everyone else is out under the power. And you're standing. Well, don't let the devil rob you. You're standing in the power. Okay? And maybe you're not wired for feelings. Maybe you're wired for faith. See, we're all wired differently. But I just give you permission that however you're wired, may God, with all of the Holy Spirit's help, give you full permission to express yourself to him in a way that blesses him with all of his heart. And he says, 
Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Make a joyful noise. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, what would that, in, in today's terms, it would be praise him on the drums, Ned. Come on, praise him. You know that Ned, who's on the drums this morning, is the very first member of Catch the Fire, Raleigh Durr. Other than Kate and I. Praise him on the bass guitar. Praise him on the electric lead guitar. Praise him on the electric rhythm guitar. Praise him on the keyboards. Praise him, you vocalists. Praise him, you backing vocalists. Praise him, all of you congregation. Let every breath praise the Lord because he's worthy. Because Jesus is so worthy of our praise. Because he's beautiful, because he's lovely, because he's powerful, because he's glorious, because he's paid for us all with his own precious blood. He's purchased us forever and we belong to his father. And he's made us sons and daughters just like him, that look like him. And I thought about this. You know what? I don't think for a moment the psalmist was saying, okay, everybody, you with the trumpet on the other side of Jerusalem in your house, blow that trumpet. Yes, and you over there with the drums on the far side of Jerusalem, get your drum kit out in your garage and beat those drums. And oh, by the way, you way over there in Alaska, yeah, you get the loot out because you're connected through, through online. You praise him with that. I don't think that's what he had in mind. I think it could encompass that. I think that if you're in Alaska and you get your loot out, whatever a loot is, what's a loot? Anyway, you get your mandolin out or you get your other, you know, your shofar. I have a shofar at home. Somebody gave it to me years ago. And the Holy, I've been kind of a little bit kind of like, you know, a little, a little bit flippant about my shofar till COVID came along and the Lord said, pick up your shofar and blow it. Blow it into the heavenlies. And you know, I blew the shofar and I've been blowing it a lot, haven't I, honey? Yeah. So if you're in Alaska and you're watching online and you blow your shofar, you deliberately go and you pick up your shofar and you blow it while Chris and Summer and Aaron and Jane and Amber and Devon and all of our lead worshipers are leading worship and you blow that shofar back there in your house. Come on, you're making a joyful noise to the Lord. It's so good. But don't you dare just sit back in your armchair with your cup of coffee in your hand. And sit there and go, oh, look, there's Catch the Fire Raleigh. Aren't they a nice church? That's not the idea. And I realize I'm being strong about this. Why? Because Jesus is worthy, not because I'm right on this. Not trying to be right. I'm zealous for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ.
I'm zealous for it with the zealousness of him, he himself on the inside of me. So when, when we come together, everybody, it's always ultimately for him. Now turn with me to Revelation, because this is what the Lord spoke to me this week. He dropped a saying in my heart. You know, one of our, one of our biggest champions of the faith in the earth today is a leader by the name of Bill Johnson. And we're so glad that this ministry is a friend of Bill. And we're glad that he's John and Carol's friend. And we get to be in the slipstreams of John and Carol's friendship with Bill. And Bill has helped us and helped the body of Christ, among others, to understand that heaven is invading earth. And others have come along and they've taught seven mountains teaching where helping us all to understand that we're called not to sit in the pews every Sunday watching the preachers, but we're all called as a body to go and influence in the mountains of society, education, business, arts and media, and so on. Although I would like to just say, and this is our platform, and this is the ministry God's given us to steward, I would like to say that I, I don't believe that the church is one of the mountains, actually. I don't believe it's a seventh mountain. I believe that the church is more like the trunk that we all grow from and we all reach all those mountains. But I believe that the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ around the world, is not a mountain that's equal with education or arts and entertainment in the eyes of God. No, God says that his church is his body, not a mountain. The kingdom is the greatest mountain of all. Isaiah 2 verse 1. In the last days the mountain of the Lord shall rise up above all the other mountains. And so the kingdom of heaven is the great mountain that supersedes all the other mountains. But the church is the body of Christ that influences all the other, if we're going to count them, six mountains. We penetrate those mountains. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about Duncan Smith and Kate Smith, the leaders of Catch the Fire Raleigh with Murray and Ash Smith. I'm not talking, I'm talking about all of us as the body of Christ here, expression, Catch the Fire Raleigh Durham, plus all the other churches in the world who together, collectively, we are the body of Christ in the earth. And we're called to win and penetrate and influence all of those other mountains for the glory of God. And I'm so thankful that the church has changed because men like, and many women, men like Bill Johnson have preached and helped us to understand, okay, that the world is waiting for heaven to invade through us. In our marketplaces, in our homes, in cafes, and, and it's beautiful. Everyone's a minister. We're all ministry. You don't come to church on Sunday to discover, your, to, to discover the place that your ministry is confined to. You come to gather, and maybe you will discover your ministry, but let me tell you something, your ministry is outside of these four walls as well, as well as in it. And you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ if you're 
the owner of a truck shop, if you're a doctor, if you're a surgeon, if you're a lawyer, if you're a fire officer, if you're a mother at home raising your children, if you're a father at home raising your children, it doesn't matter what your occupation is, it's your ministry. It's God's ministry through you to the world. You, together with someone else, together with someone else, you're the church in the world. Now, but this is the thing that the Lord's been just challenging me with all week. And it's been so good. I've been feasting on it all week. And it's just, it's just got me so supercharged and excited. I barely know what to do with myself. He said to me this week, Duncan, let heaven invade earth. My purpose in heaven invading earth is not so that earth can be a better place alone. He said the purpose in heaven invading earth is to make everyone on earth so dissatisfied with earth that all they want is heaven. <laughs> okay, let me say that again. Catch the fire, Raleigh Durham. I challenge you today to realize that God wants heaven to invade earth through you, but it's not just so that your world is a better place. It's so that your world is actually so dissatisfied with the world that all they desire is heaven. All they want is Jesus. They just want Jesus. They want the one whose eyes are blazing with fire. They want the one whose face is shining like the sun. They want the one who's conquered sin and death. They want the one who's crushed the serpent's head. They want the one who's the bondage breaker and sets you free from the power of addictions and the power of, of Satan and demons that are so, and principalities and powers that are ruling over the hearts of men. People want the victorious, glorious Savior Jesus. They want him. He, in fact, the, the Bible calls him the desire of the nations. They're not looking for Jesus just to make their life better on the earth. They want hope that after they breathe their last breath, life truly begins. They know that it's temporary. They look in the mirror like I do and go, oh, wow, there's a lot of gray there now. There's, there's wrinkles. And you know what? You can have all kinds of stuff now these days to help everybody see that you're not gray anymore. And you can have all kinds of stuff that will help everybody look at you and go, you're not wrinkly anymore. And you can have all kinds of things that will help your body to be stronger and move quicker and you'll be great and all, all that's good. But let me tell you something, it's still temporary. You're still going to die. And let me just tell you something. Heaven invaded earth through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus stood in front of Lazarus' grave and he said, Lazarus, come forth, heaven invaded earth and heaven demonstrated heaven's power over everything in the natural realm because a man that was dead for four days came out of that grave because the prince of life himself, resurrection life himself, Jesus Christ, called him out of the grave. And he came out. He came out still wrapped up in all of his bandages. They had to undo him and he didn't smell. He was, al he was alive just like ever. And there was a great big party and a week later he's sitting down relaxing with Jesus. But let me tell you something, everybody. Even though Lazarus was raised from the dead in this life through Jesus, 
a week before Jesus went to the cross, Lazarus still died a decade or two later. Or four or five. I don't know how long it was, but Lazarus died again. And the whole purpose of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead after he'd been dead four days was so that everybody, Jesus included, the disciples included, the world included, would know that the Father was able to raise his son Jesus from the dead a week later after he had died on the cross and become the sin of the world as the eternal sacrifice for all the sin of every human being. The Father would still be able to raise Jesus from the dead three days later, which he did. And Jesus is alive. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the prince of life. He's the king of glory. He's defeated death. He's defeated sickness. He's defeated sin. And he's defeated the devil. He's the king of glory. He's the victorious champion. And he's your savior. And he will carry you through sin, through death. And a split second after you die, you will see him face to face. And you will be just like him. Man, I, mm. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. No place for the existing heaven and the existing earth. No place was found for them in this moment. And folks, we're, we're, what we're reading right now is the very, 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 very end. Okay? And there are many different uh, theologies and doctrines within Christendom concerning what happens between now and this moment that we're reading about, which is the very, very end. There are many different doctrines concerning the end times and those things. But everybody agrees with this. When we get to this moment, this moment everybody agrees with. So that's why we're starting with this moment right now. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Say, that's me. Yep, you'll be there. You'll either be one of the small ones or one of the great ones. But you'll be there. Standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, He, if you read earlier, the beast and the false prophet were also thrown in, as well as ultimately Satan himself, just before uh, we picked up where we picked up. And so death and Hades are cast into the same lake of fire that Satan has been cast into, the beast has been cast into, and the false prophet's been cast into. And anyone found, not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's just pause for just a moment, everybody. We don't like to talk about hell. Why? 
because we know it's real. If it wasn't real, we'd talk about it all the time. Hell, we'd talk about it. But we don't like to talk about it because we know deep down on the inside, every human being deep down on the inside, God's put eternity in their hearts and they know that that eternity is either going to be heaven or hell. Make no mistake. Well, preacher, you're preaching hellfire and brimstone. Yes, so that you can avoid it. The reality of an eternity of hell is why heaven is such good news. And by the way, let's just address something here for just a moment. I want you to notice that books were opened. And then it says that they were the books in which was written everything that everybody's ever done. But then there's another book. A book that's the book of the Lamb's book of life in which there's nothing except names written in it. And on that day of judgment, I believe that you're going to meet your maker and you're going to be standing in front of Jesus on the throne. It won't be the Father, it's the Son. You can read that in Acts 17. And he is going to be seated on the throne because he is the one the Father raised from the dead. And therefore, he's the only one who rightfully can judge you. Because he'll be sitting there in a body just like yours, except now it's eternal and glorified. Because he's the incarnate Son of God who became flesh and blood and died on the cross for our sins and shed his blood for us. And the Father raised him from the dead, proving that none of that sin was Jesus's. And that's why he's appointed Jesus to be the judge on that day. And Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And the book of life will be just here. Ah! Kate Smith. I wonder if it'll be Kate Daniels or Kate Smith, but anyway. Kate Smith. Beloved, precious daughter Kate, welcome into my eternal kingdom prepared for you by my father from before time began. You're so welcome. And Kate might say, but, but Lord, aren't you going to look at the other books? Like everything that I did, right and wrong? Oh, sweetie, I don't need to do that. Well, why not? Well, see, I, I've got your name written right here. You see, the fact that your name is written right here means that in this book, the book of judgment, there's nothing but blank pages. Well, what do you mean nothing but blank pages? Well, sweetie, everything that you ever did that was wrong, I paid for with my blood. It's blotted out. It's wiped out. It's not there anymore. Really? Yeah. Okay, but what about all the good things that I did? Oh, sweetie, sorry to burst your bubble. That wasn't you. That was the Holy Spirit in you. All I ever wanted was you. And we've got eternity together. And how did you get in that book of life? Well, 1 John 5. And, and what, what verse is it? Let me just, just double check. Yes, I thought so. Verse 11. I didn't think so at all. I couldn't remember. 1 John 5, 11 says, This is eternal life, that you've believed in the eternal life himself, Jesus Christ. 
and you're in him now. That's eternal life. Not that you did this, 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 and this, but that you believed in the one who did this, this, and this for you. Come on. Thank you. You got it. And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Did you know that the heaven that exists right now is not the heaven you're going to spend eternity in? Sorry to disappoint you. You don't need to be disappointed. There's no comparison to it, to the one that will come. The current heaven is not the new heaven. The current heaven is the place where people who believe in Jesus get to go as bodies and spirits, sorry, as soul spirits, waiting for the union with their brand new body that will be their eternal body that's just like Jesus' resurrected, glorified body, which you will be united with a split second after judgment day. You will be you will be in full union, body, soul, and spirit with your new body that will be your eternal body in the new heaven and the new earth that will become one after judgment day that we're reading right now. That's the gospel. And that body, by the way, is just like Jesus' resurrected, glorified body. You might like to get excited. And there was no more sea. I thought about that. Lord, I love the ocean. Why is there no sea in the new heaven and the new earth? And the Lord said to me, because I want you to understand the seas is extraordinary, isn't it? Well, heaven, the new heaven and the new earth is so amazing. It's that amazing that it's that amazing without a sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is our eternal home, everybody. This is where we're going to live with God, with the Lamb, with God the Father and the Lamb. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, behold, the tabernacle of God is with mankind, humanity, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no racism. There'll be no injustices. There'll be no more murder. There'll be no more riots. There'll be no looting. There won't even be guns. And I don't say that as a political statement. I say that as a fact. And there'll be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more. For the former things will pass away. Do not get attached to anything in this world because everything in this world, all of its democracies, all of its systems, all of its business, all of its wealth, all of its pleasures, every single thing will pass away. It's not what you were created for. It was created so that you would yearn for the uncreated one. It was created so that you could see that the uncreated one is so much infinitely better than his creation. That's the purpose of creation, to point you to the creator. 
And then he, then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write down, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end. It's interesting. James was saying that on the platform in the worship. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to the one who thirsts. And the one who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be their God and they will be my son. But the cowardly, the um, it's interesting, it starts with the cowardly, the unbelieving, the ab abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And then one of the seven angels said, come, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great glorious city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God in her midst. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone or like a diamond, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the west, three on the south. And now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who walked and sorry, he who talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. Want to see what your new home is going to be? A city laid out as a square, its length as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with his reed, 12,000 furlongs. My note says 1,380 miles. 1,380 miles wide, 1,380 miles long, 1,380 miles high. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. And then he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like glass, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, and it goes through all of these vaguely unpronounceable stones. And then he says the 12 gates were 12 pearls. 12 pearls, everybody! A little reminder that a little bit of grit can become something extraordinarily beautiful, just like the entire human race. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Let's stand. But I saw no temple. Stand up, everybody, if you'd like to. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. The gates will never be shut night and day. We were just singing day and night, day and night, day and night. The gates will never be shut, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall be by no means ever Anything enter it that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, no falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book 
of life. Let nobody ever tell you that Christianity is about you helping earth to be a better place. It might include that, but that's not its ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of the Trinitarian God of love is that we would spend eternity with him in the new heaven that's the new earth, in the most glorious bodies, in the most glorious houses, in the most glorious city that no eye has seen, no heart has, has ever heard of, no ears ever heard of, no heart has ever perceived or even conceived what God has in store for you in that city. And that is the greatest motivator for a holy life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. You bet you will serve you and they shall see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there'll be no light there they need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign with him forever and ever and ever I read that when I was 20 I'm reading it now I'm 52 and I hope I'll be reading it when I'm 92 and I'll be just as on fire and I'll be just as tingled and I'll have goosebumps all over me because I'm a, just a few short minutes and hours away from the fulfillment of that glorious day. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for heaven. We thank you that Jesus, the glorious eternal Son of God, gave his own life and his precious blood so that we could spend eternity in him, with him, with his Father that's now our Father, in the most beautiful city that the universe has ever, ever witnessed. Maybe even a new universe. Entirely new universe. I feel the Holy Spirit connected, correcting me. In an entirely new universe that's upgraded on a scale that we cannot ever even imagine. Where we get to joyfully travel at the speed of light and be all the speed of thought and be anywhere we want in the universe ruling and reigning with Christ forever and ever and ever in His love and in His goodness. May heaven invade our earth so powerfully through us that all of earth wants nothing but heaven.